Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. From the blackest corners of your mind, they call, pulling you deep into shadow, twisting your senses, keeping you from sleep. It's time to face your darkest fears. This is Tales to Terrify. Good evening, children of the night, and welcome. Starting as of now, Tales to Terrify is once again in the running for the People's Choice Podcast Awards. Last year, we took home the hardware for Best Fiction Podcast, and it would be amazing to at least make the shortlist again. If you've got a spare moment and could help share the love, head over to podcastawards.com and throw a vote in for your favorite scrappy little horror show. It's nice to get some recognition for the hard work our staff and contributors put into this show. These kinds of things also help us expand our reach and infect the minds of new listeners. So taking a couple of minutes to drop us a vote can be a pretty big help to the show. Again, that's podcastawards.com you'll find us in the fiction category. Also, if you're looking to cool down this summer, give yourself and others a little chill to ward off the summer heat, one of the best ways you can do just that, aside from listening to horror podcasts, of course, is to pen a little terrifying tale of your own. And wouldn't you know it? I just happen to know a place that's looking for frightening tales to turn into audio fiction. Once you've got that macabre masterpiece carved out, send it our way. TalesToTerrify.com slash submissions. Our rabid pack of slush readers gets a bit cranky and unruly when they're too warm, so keep the chills coming. Now, what say we send some fresh shivers down your spine? 
We have one tale for you this evening, which comes from recent Stoker Award winner Christy Nogle. Christy Nogle is the author of the novel Beulah, which was published by Cemetery Gates Media in 2022 and won the Bram Stoker Award this year for Best New Novel, as well as the collections The Best of Our Past, The Worst of Our Future, which was just released, Promise, and One Eye Open in That Other Place, forthcoming from Flame Tree Press in 2024. Her short stories have appeared in over 50 publications, including Pseudopod, Vastarian, and Dark Matter magazine. Follow her at christynogle.com or on Twitter at christynogle. Children of the Night, join me for Christy Nogle's Every Day's a Party with You, first published in Mixtape 1986 from The Dread Machine in 2021. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Morning goes like a dream. Just a nice hunk of quiche and a coffee with my favorite person. Frost and Christmas lights wreath the diner's dark window. 
We lean in and whisper because the handsome mystery man is stealing glances at us again from his booth in the back of the room. Looking at you, she whispers, her breath all warm and coffee bitter. No, you, I say. It took a long time to find my best friend, but I've found her. Gloria. She's divorced like me. She has a teen daughter like me, though her mirror is away at school. Her song plays, that Laura Branigan song, so low you can't make out the words. I always thought Gloria was a name for a blonde, but my Gloria's colors are Snow White's. Her perfect little nose is red from her walk over here. The handsome man stares again, and we whisper. <laughs> we giggle. The songs change to that one that goes, every day's a party with you, with you. So, how's Charbin? Gloria asks. I sigh. Uh, not so bad last night, really. The other day she called me a monster, though. Mom, you're a fucking monster. That's what she said. Don't swear, dear Sarah, Gloria says, leaning back with a smirk. You're unattractive when you swear, dear, I say. Gloria's mother said that to her one time when I was over. We laugh now, remembering that, and then the tabletop vibrates. Gotta go, Gloria says, checking her big black patron rising from the booth. Your dad? Who else? I stay a while longer nursing my coffee, but it's still dark when I leave Jack's diner. Moss Park. The town is shaped like a Venn diagram. The park is the shape of a cat's pupil. A long pointed ellipse, carpeted in an odd verdant moss. The pointy ends of the park are treed, but at the center is just the moss crossed by walking paths and a tall white painted gazebo in the center. I pass through the gazebo. The Christmas lights inside it are cherry and teal and lemony green, just like everything else in Moss Park. So beautiful, the big bulbs and tiny ones all throwing their colors onto the white ceiling and the beams. Everything's bathed in these colors. The town wasn't always this way. When Shar and I moved here, it was all brown and gray and poor. I remember the first day here, walking lost, looking for the post office. Rain and dullness. I stopped for directions in a cruddy little convenience store in what amounted to a garden barn. I don't even think that store is still here now. I cut across the park to the bookstore where I work. The owner, Mrs. Sylvester, is my landlady, too. Shar and I stay in the guesthouse behind her big Victorian. The old lady is so absent from my days, I seem to have taken over her place. It's like I am the owner of the bookstore now. Everyone treats me that way. Just as everyone treats Gloria like she and not her father is the owner of Glory's jewelry across the park. And whenever I go into the big Victorian to make dinner or take a long candlelit soak in the big downstairs tub, I feel I am the sprawling house's mistress, not Mrs. Sylvester. The feeling I get from that is complicated. A little guilty and a little blessed. I suppose the young do overtake the old at a certain point, and that's natural. Mrs. Sylvester and Gloria's broad-shouldered old dad are having words across the street. I can't hear what they are saying. She's just parked, 
must be coming into the bookstore to do an hour or two of paperwork, and he's caught her. Their stances are stiff like cats. I imagine growling. And then Char comes up behind me. She must have sneaked in the back way, but she was so silent. Get a room, she yells, looking out at the old folks, and we laugh. Why aren't you in school? I say, but she only scoffs and sprawls on the settee, taking out her sketch pad. The inside of this place is all warm wood and book smell, and the windows are wreathed with frost and colored lights, like all the windows in Moss Park. The handsome mystery man walks past the bookstore just then. It seems he's deciding whether to open the door, but Mrs. Sylvester pushes him by muttering like a crazy thing. He flinches back away from her, and he turns and walks past. I catch just a flash of his baffled sweet face. That was close, says Char, but I don't have time to ask her what she means. The doorbells are jingling. Mrs. Sylvester's sweeping in on a cold breeze, already complaining. She'll want tea. The days go harder then. It's almost Christmas, but we can't seem to find fellow feeling. It's because of Christmas, all this mess. The people on their side of the park want white lights. The people on our side want to keep the cherry and teal and lemony green lights that we've always had, and that is the root of the strife. Gloria and I shop our way around the park, catching glimpses of the mystery man here and there. Tourists have invaded Moss Park. There's no seat to be had at Jack's. We look in at the strangers all cozy in their sparkly red vinyl booths until Jack brings us travel cups of coffee. Last night, Char said, You are a monster. She rolled her eyes when I told her I'd call my mother a bitch once or twice, too. Not a bitch, a monster, she said. The point was that she hadn't invented being a horrible teen. It's natural, normal. But is it, though? Maybe that's why I'm not telling Gloria. Her daughter rides horses at boarding school and goes overseas on vacations. My daughter, I see her doing something normal for a change. I see her coming in from a run and say, It's so nice you like running, dear. She says, I wouldn't say I like running. It's more that I want to keep this body functional for as long as I can. Don't you? Is there something really wrong with Char? And why am I not sharing any of this with Gloria? It feels like the Christmas light argument has spilled over to us somehow. I notice when we're on her side of the park, the shopkeepers aren't as nice to me as they used to be. We're looking at sweaters for the girls when we bump into him. The handsome man from the diner's back corner. He's just on the other side of the table touching the sweaters. I look up straight into his face and I think there will be a spark, but there's nothing. Oh, hello, says Gloria, and he only looks baffled again. Or am I getting a feeling of bafflement from him? I don't actually see his face. We see you in Jack's all the time. We've never met. I say, holding out a hand to shake, but he's moving back. He's stumbling back and has gone into the crowd. Just like that. Shy, says Gloria. It's cute. You should follow him. You should, I say, but I get a little chill. His reaction, 
like he'd seen a ghost. We don't follow him. We get matching Fair Isle sweaters for Shar and for Gloria's daughter, who will be flying home in a matter of days. I imagine bright-eyed Mira clutching hers to her chest, saying, It's perfect. I love it. I love you, Mom. Shar, I know, will just throw hers in the closet and never take it out. She wears black, always. And this sweater is all marled in teal, cherry, and lemony green, like the lights they're taking down all over Moss Park. And the white lights are going up, whiter than white, dazzling like sparklers in summer. Gloria and I are headed toward the center of the park when she stops. I'll catch up, she says. And when she does catch up to where I'm watching men change out the lights on the gazebo, she has two tall cups, coffee, I think. But it's not. It's a strange syrup. I cock an eyebrow. Cinnamon cocoa, she says, and we sip while we watch more of the lights come down. Out with the old, she says. Far past the gazebo, out near a treed end of the park, I see an old man and a woman arguing, gesturing wildly. Is he beating his chest? Did she just slap him? I am glad that Gloria doesn't see. Skip work this afternoon, Gloria says over breakfast. We're having a wrapping party at my house. We're in Sylvia's cafe, all silver sparkly vinyl and white lights and frost wreathing the windows. More cinnamon cocoa with berry tarts. No handsome men stealing glances in here. I can't skip. Mrs. Sylvester barely comes in anymore, I say. Just ask, she says. So I call and ask for the afternoon. (laughs) Take the whole day, Mrs. Sylvester says. The old lady's a little breathless, almost giggling. Is someone there, I say, but she only says it's fine, go have fun. She'll get the store open later or she won't. It hardly matters either way. Gloria's living room is staged with a tree and candles in the fireplace lit. Silvers and blues, violet and white lights. A stink of wine and cocoa spiked with butterscotch schnapps. Gloria's pretty sisters and cousins. Her mom, a couple of young dads as well, all wrapping presents on card tables. I clutch my meager bag of gifts and find myself a place to wrap. Gloria's youngest sister isn't here, She's getting married soon, and the mother's going on about the blend of pain in losing her last baby and the joy in seeing her settled. Gloria stiffens a bit. She must see it as a commentary on her solitary life. When Gloria's husband left her, just about 18 months ago, I suppose, it was like in a movie. She was depressed, sure. For months she was all puffy around the eyes and wore pajamas when she wasn't at work. But she snapped back. She snapped right back. Michael is the best. We just grew apart. It happens, she says. They're wrapping the presents all together because that makes sure everything's color-coordinated. The colors are silver, blue, and violet, like the room. When I've wrapped my presents, I stand out of the way. The white-lit Christmas tree is like a wall, like a hedge inside the house. Being up near it gives me a feeling of dread. And it smells so strong, like a dark green candle.
The music video plays low on the television. Every day's a party with you. With you. Claymation supermodels crawl out of a wedding cake. They dance and merge. I feel a little exhilarated like I always do when that song plays. But I feel sad, too. Like I'm looking back on a happier memory. Gloria's mom says, You're really settling in now. What's it been, two years? Almost. Moss Park is so great, I say. You know, in the town we lived in before, there was a lot of crime. A woman and her daughter... I don't know this is the right story for company, Gloria says. I nod. You're right. A woman and her daughter were butchered. They disappeared, and the investigation ran on the news every night. They found them in the woman's neighbor's backyard, just a slurry of blood and guts in a shallow hole. The neighbor had been away on vacation. The dead woman's own tub was where it happened. They found blood evidence there, even though it had been bleached. How's Mira? says one of Gloria's sisters. Thriving. I miss her something terrible, though, says Gloria. Just knocking around this big old house all alone. All eyes go to me again, and I say, I wish I could have done something like that with Char. Not boarding school. I could never have afforded that. But I wish I would have pushed her to do sports. All she wants to do is read and sketch and mope, mope, mope. She's artsy, says Gloria. She hasn't grown, not an inch or a pound, since we moved here, I say. She's a great kid, says Gloria's mom, who barely knows Char at all. She says the most horrible things to me, I don't say. Char has the most beautiful hair says someone else who barely knows her. The thing is, no image comes to mind. Is Char's hair black like her clothes? Brown? Blonde like Mira's? I can't say. I can't call up her face. I'm turning toward the fireplace, toward the mirror, but I can't see anything in it. I face back toward the tree. This is really something, I say. They look away. I guess it's lower class to point out how nice things are. It's dark and all are tipsy when I leave. On the way home, I pass the bookstore. Lights are dim inside, but I see Mrs. Sylvester's shape on the settee. On the very end of the settee, legs crossed. I imagine a pensive look on her face. Someone broad-shouldered looms behind her. Closer and closer, his hands come down. I'm stopped, now lit by Christmas lights. If anyone were looking, they'd recognize me. No one's looking. His hand comes down over the breastbone, stroking up her neck. Her neck is arched and her arm is raising. She's pulling him down into a messy, groping kiss. The wind feels hot on my face as I turn away. The Christmas lights are all like sparklers, forked spikes coming off of them. Passionate anger breeds passionate love, I think. But not real love. Real love is smoother. Every day's a party. It plays in the street. Gloria's perfect nose.
her little cold reddened ears, her beautiful eyes, all come to me in flashes. I have time to walk, time to think, and have a little romantic comedy-style epiphany. Where were you? says Char at the door to our guest house. So sorry, I should have tried to find a payphone, I say. I'm beaming and flushed, but I can't see her face. I'm not sure if it's a shadow, some strange shadow striking only her face, but I can't see her at all. The hair could be any color. You're not well, I can see it. Hell, I smell it, says Char. I have my hands on her shoulders now, and I'm turning us, trying to turn her into the light. But I still can't see her. All I get from her is the mood. Amusement? Scorn, maybe? I begin to move away, but she holds me there. Her hands are on my temples. Like strange waltzers, we hold each other out at arm's length. She says, Listen, I hinted to Mrs. Sylvester that we might be going on vacation, just in case. I don't know what you mean. I don't. It doesn't matter. You think you're in love with her. You're so deluded, says Char. Am I crying? Char can see what I've been thinking. I say, I walked and I thought tonight, Char, honey, and I think I know what I want. And maybe this is why Char's been so evil lately. Why we aren't getting along. Because she's jealous. She doesn't want mommy's attention going anywhere else. Kids are always this way when a parent falls in love. You want to be her, Char says, and maybe that's true too. I think of our neighbor. Back in that other town, I think of her screaming in the bathtub. You're poisoning yourself from the inside, Char says. You're wearing out the brain. She's on drugs, is all I can think. I break away from her and all goes dark. Some long time later, dawn glowing through the shears, I wake at the table. My mouth's packed with rotisserie chicken. My hands are deep in the jelly of the cold carcass. Char sits gazing like a judgmental cat from the other side of the table. What are you looking at? I say. Just making sure you don't choke on a bone, she says gently. I'm going I'm going to Gloria just as soon as I take a bath, I say. I think you better do just that, says Char. But I'm too full. A queasy few steps is all I manage. And with all the lights blazing inside and outside, I drop. I dream a double wedding. Then, out in a lemony green field of teal and cherry flowers, white dresses hot like sparklers, each of us with a copy of the man from the diner's back booth. But that is false, and the men fade away, and then Gloria and I seem to merge, shudder apart, merge again like clay figures. I see a Venn diagram. I see a massive many-winged bat, each eye the shape of a Venn diagram. I start awake into darkness. Char has spread a rough blanket on me. I think she's washed my face. 
I go out the door with mouthwash in my bloated cheeks. I spit it into the snow on the way to the street. Christmas lights are swirling and sparking. It's all coming apart. It's just... My eyes are wearing out. Or my brain is wearing out, like Char said. The brain is wearing out. I'm wearing out the brain. That's what she said. Gloria's wearing off-white satin pajamas. The top open with a lace-trimmed cami underneath. She layers even for bed. I've never seen her without her makeup before. And she's even more beautiful. I wait for her to invite me in. It's just as well you came over. I can't sleep. I'm so anxious, you know, for the holidays to get going. She says, but her eyes are weary. Music plays somewhere. Gloria, it was. And now it's changed. Every day's a party with you. With you. With you. I'm not sure if I'm going to kiss her. The desire to do that, if it was ever there, is gone. It seems like something big has to happen, though, to explain why I'm here. The oven timer goes off, and we move in that direction. Passing the Christmas tree, which is now just a regular-sized tree with dim white lights. Why'd you change it? I'm about to say, but I know. I know. I think of Gloria's family's stares as I praise the tree and almost laugh. I've been wearing out the brain, placing colors on everything, glamouring myself somehow. She takes sugar cookies out of the oven, perfect pale angels and trees, the glass bowls of icing, cherry, teal, lemon, lime, sit ready alongside jars of nonpareils and cinnamon dots. Pouring a cocoa, Gloria says, I made the marshmallows. They might not be quite right. It's the velvetiest thing I've ever had in my mouth. Toffee and chocolate and something else. Creme brulee? But the walls seem to be melting. I'm not feeling well. I go to kiss her finally, and she flinches back. I feel her pulse like a drum on the ground. It's fucking hot in here, she says. I wish you wouldn't swear, dear. We should go to your bedroom. It'll be cooler, I say, all low and flat. I can crack the window here, she says. I need to lie down. I'm not feeling well all of a sudden. So we walk down the hall slowly. She's looking back at me. I enter her bedroom and go straight for her bathroom door. Oh, it's a mess in there, she says, but I shut the door. Oh, okay. I look in the mirror. Too thin, too old, no face at all. My dry hair's dyed black like a parody of Gloria's. The bathroom is nice, no doubt, but it's all gray and dull. There's a pubic hair on the toilet seat and a ring of hard water stain inside the bowl. Back in the bedroom, I lie down. She's sitting on the hope chest at the foot of the bed, looking through photo albums. This is what I was doing when you knocked, she says. 
She passes me a picture of Shar and Mira. That could be yesterday, I say. Oh, no, Mira's a foot taller now, I bet, she says. But Shar's still the same, because she takes care of the body. I'm not seeing things right, but here's what I see. In the mirrored closet doors, the room is small and gray. The carpet plush but worn. The damask on the bed dated. Not a suitable bedspread for Moss Park at all. I see me standing, her cross-legged out on the hope chest lid. I see me take her by the scruff of the neck, lift her. In my hands, she becomes a husk, just like an outfit, like a costume. In the mirror, I'm turning her in the light. I find the zipper, a fine hidden zipper like on a wedding dress. I unzip her, step inside. I am not seeing things right, but it doesn't matter. Shar was correct. I want it in, that's all. I look in the mirror, my hand on her throat. Gloria leaned back for a passionate kiss, back arched. The satin falls back against her, outlining her curves. I aim for her lips and take her neck instead. It's all over. All memory. The air is as hot as it was in the kitchen now. And a smell is coming in from the bathroom. A gentle knock on the door. Mira? I say. Shar, she says. Is it all over? The satin is cool on my skin. The room is gray and empty. I look to the mirror, but it isn't there anymore. The shards are piled against the door tracks and scattered all over the carpet, where there are rusty stains. The soles of my feet are dark. Open the door, please, dear. I'm decent, I say. Shar's wearing her Fair Isle sweater like the one I bought Mira. I say, your mom was just here, dear. I don't know where she... Please, says Shar. Just don't. She comes into the room, bolder now. She steps over broken glass and looks in the closet. Now, honey, I don't think you should... Shar moves into the bathroom. The shower curtain makes its quick sweeping sound. What's this in the bathtub, Mom? She says. My heart races and a feeling of guilt sweeps over me. What's in the bathtub? I say, going to the door. But she meets me there. The curtain is back in place already. I'll get it cleaned up later, she says. Just rest now. Take it easy. She shakes her head. I guess if you could take it easy, we wouldn't have this trouble in the first place. I don't know what you mean. She takes my head in her hands. Her bony little fingers poke around. You do something to the brain. You wear it out too fast. You don't use the memory, I don't think. But you use something else. The visualization part or something. I don't know that much about brains, sadly. Just let it be. Just close your eyes and lie down here a while. She sits down on the hope chest next to me. Do you smell the blood on your pajamas? Can you feel it? 
She takes my hand and touches it to the cuff of my other sleeve, which is damp. I squeeze the fabric and the moisture pools around my fingertips. Before she can stop me, I'm up and in the bathroom. I shut the door behind me. You don't have to look, she says. But I've already swept aside the curtain, taking in the tangle of blood and guts, the tortured dyed black hair. Shar is beside me. You always choose the same general type, don't you? Maybe your own body looked like that long ago, do you think? We should go, I say, thinking of the man who used to always watch us. He wasn't handsome, really. Maybe he thought he knew this Sarah woman. Maybe he did know her. You need a shower, says Shar. Yes, and then we need to go. Get out of Moss Park, I say, a lump in my throat because I can't imagine leaving this place. Though I've already left it, haven't I? When I go outside, won't everything be soggy and poor? In the mirror, my face is already not quite the face I coveted. The eyes are still big and blue, but the skin has lost its glow. I shudder to think what I'm doing to the brain. Shar strokes my hair, says, We need to go get Mira. We have to pick her up at the airport. And then? And then we have company coming. We get through Christmas, and then we go. You and me. Gloria and Mira, yes. God, Mom, try to stay with it just a little while, she says. I am trying. She strips me, shoves my feet into slippers, walks me to Mira's bathroom for a quick shower. I dry myself, and she wraps me in a fluffy gray robe. She sits me on the living room floor near the fire leaves and comes back with a fancy tray of hors d'oeuvres from one of Moss Park's pretty little shops. I was with Gloria when she bought it. That's for the party, I say, but Char's already messed it all up. I know, I don't normally eat this stuff, but it doesn't matter now, does it? She says. It doesn't. I breathe in the meat smell, watching her feed like an animal. I can't really be her mother, can I? She's a relative anyway she may be my only one. Go get the photo albums. I saw them in the bedroom, she says. Why? So you can tell me who the people are? We're going to have a lot to do to get through Christmas. It will help if I can pass this mirror, don't you think? But the thought crosses my mind. This girl isn't anything like my mirror. When's her flight coming in? I ask. Shah frowns finds the pink date book on the kitchen counter and starts scanning. 1 p.m., the Christmas Eve party starts at 7. We're in a tight spot, you know. We have to keep them out of the master suite. They'll want to pile their coats on the bed and use the bathroom. Jesus, it's going to be rough. She's getting greasy prints all over my date book. I reach for it, and she puts it in her back pocket. I whimper when she wipes her fingers on the fair aisle. I know you'll want to sleep until it's time, but you can't, she says. If you sleep, you're going to forget. You're going to delude yourself. It's something you do with the brain, Mom. It always happens. Shar sits down again. 
She takes her sketchbook out of her bag and starts drawing. I feel like I've never been close enough to see her drawing before. It's just endless abstract shapes and patterns, all finely detailed, going right up to the edges of the page. I scoot around so we're sitting side by side. There are figures in it now, bats and weasels and slimy things. Her pencil moves so fast. Why do you do that all the time? I ask, but she just keeps going. I watch, and the watching brings back a little something all vague, like deja vu. A little half-memory of some moment somewhere else. When I was something else. We're monsters, Mom, she says. And I see her, clear and full. For an instant, I see who she really is. I rest my head on her shoulder and try hard to stay awake and aware. The hair she wears now is gorgeous. Long auburn waves. I wonder if she'll miss this hair. And there's another pang of guilt. She took such care of this body, and now she'll lose it because of me. The song is playing somewhere. Every day's a party. Every day's a party with you. The page is finished. She turns it and starts anew. Soon we'll go to the airport. The two girls will go into the master bath. There will be a mess, but Mira will take care of it. Mrs. Sylvester, I say. I left her a note. I don't think she's thinking of us right now anyway. What a funny expression this girl has. I find her quite dear. We'll get through Christmas. We'll go someplace new. I won't remember any of this later, but it's nice right now to have my head on her shoulder. It's nice to drop into the drawing with her. Oh, we still need to go over the photo albums, I say. It's fine, I'll just call everyone dear. They won't notice. I touch the page. You'll keep doing this when you're Mira, won't you? I'll be just the same. I don't change. Neither do you, she says, and I smile. That was Christy Nogle's Every Day's a Party with You, as read by Nicole Doolin. Nicole is a writer and voice actor. She performs for a number of popular and award-winning podcasts, such as the No Sleep Podcast and Tales to Terrify. To learn more about Nicole, visit her website at nicoledoolin.com. Thank you, Nicole. Well, children of the night, the hour is late, and we've run out of tales to tell. For now. Tales to Terrify is made possible by the tremendous generosity of our supporters on Patreon and PayPal. Incredible fans like Amanda Carrillo, Lessel Baxter, Orion D. Hegra, and Paul Belcher whose generous support helps keep the lights on and flickering ominously. Not a supporter already? Head over to patreon.com slash tales to terrify, where you'll find all kinds of perks like ad-free episodes, bonus content, 
and one-of-a-kind collectibles and merch packs. Every dollar goes back into this show to make it as horrific as possible, and we appreciate it so much. Want another way to support the show that doesn't cost a cent? Head over to Stitcher, Podchaser, or Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. You'll not only put an unnaturally wide smile on our faces, but help new listeners discover our terrifying tales, too. Why not share your love of the show out in the world with some Tales to Terrify merch? TalesToTerrify.com slash merch will take you to our Public store, where we've got a great collection of creepy custom and curated designs that's always growing. Tales to Terrify is produced by Seth Williams, Meredith Morgenstern, Andrew Gibson, and myself, Drew Sebastini, with original theme by Nebulous Entertainment. Tales to Terrify is distributed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. Join us again next week as shadows creep beneath the door in search of more Tales to Terrify. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.